Okay, divisional preview time, boys. It's uh, the Back Judge Podcast with yours truly, Adam Klepp, Tommy Murray, Lee Murray. Boys, uh, it's it's about getting it's about it's about football time. It's about football time. Year four, year four previews, baby. <laughs> it's division preview time. I'll admit it's football time once we hit August first. It's kind of my rule, my rule of thumb. <laughs> but it Not is. The, uh, when's the Hall of Fame game? I assume early August. Yeah, probably first week of August. Calvin, baby. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you, Calvin. Undeniably the best receiver of all time. I would agree with that. Undeniable. I, I just agree with, I agree with that. I mean, you can you can talk uh, careers. Uh, doesn't have the career of a Jerry Rice. Probably doesn't even have the career of a Larry Fitz. Um, but you I think talk, it's him or Moss. I think Moss, you, you can make a good talking, argument for Moss. You're just talking pound for pound. Uh, what dudes. could Randy Moss do that Calvin couldn't do is my question. Yeah. What could you know. Calvin do that Randy Moss couldn't do? He's more of a physical specimen. More, yeah, bigger. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's just he's just a bigger, stronger dude. So yeah. uh, that would be my answer uh, to that. Onwards and upwards. AFC West, as always, kicking it off uh, with the AFC West. The Chiefs won the division last year. What was it? And then it was the uh, the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders who came in second. I want to make the Raiders looked like. They kind of looked like a playoff dark horse for the better yep. part of the first half of the season. And then after they got the brakes beaten off of them in Atlanta by like 40 points, oh, their, season, their season basically took a turn at that point. And it was, they had to get the Hail Mary to beat the Jets. It was just an absolute disaster from then on out. Love that live bet. Halftime. Raiders out Atlanta doubling down on the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Learning moments for all of us. Um, also, the I mean, the Dolphins game was just nuts. Like how they, oh, yeah, how they lost that one after the refs handed it to, handed it to them. I mean, Fitz, Fitzpatrick looked like uh, Valverde coming in to yeah. close the game out. <laughs> Papa Grande, <laughs> Papa Grande. Um, baked potato. <laughs> <laughs> do we uh, do we start bottom to top? Is that how we do this? I can't remember. Um, let's decide now. Let's start bottom to top. I think okay. it's more interesting. Let's mix kick it up. It off, kick it off with the Broncos, who picked in the top 10, ninth overall. Uh, famously took uh, Patrick Sertain over the BJP darling, uh, Justin Fields, who was in a bit of a slide. Might be uh, cursing the Broncos for a while, depending on uh, his successes in Chicago. Uh, Lee, you and I were kind of going over this roster pre-show. Uh, interested to get Tommy's opinion, but I think we're all going to be uh, on the same wavelength that this is an incredibly talented roster with just a giant hole uh, at the most important position in football uh, at quarterback. Yeah, Tommy, yeah. you can kind of take the floor here because Klepp and I did talk about this, and I do agree with what he said, but I do want to say and get your reaction on it whenever you whenever you see fit. I think this is the best secondary in the NFL, not only because of the top-end talent they have, but just because of the amount of depth they have. Um, not only what they did in the free agency, but also some of the guys they got in the draft, even in the later rounds, Jamar Johnson, Cade Stearns, and obviously Sertain. Um, it's going to be tough for our boy Parnell Motley to, to crack a roster spot just because of how deep and solid the secondary is. But uh, go ahead and take the floor. Yeah, guys. I mean, I'm going to be echoing a lot of the same things that I'm sure you guys talked about. Lee, I'd agree. I mean, I think the only, I think the Bucks you can still make an argument for, but in terms of the, uh, you know, starting talent in the secondary. But when you look at the depth that you just uh, kind of mentioned, and you know, Justin Simmons, a lot of people think is the best safety in the NFL. Kareem Jackson still kicking it, and we all love Patrick Sertain. Um, you know, seeing him as you, even if you thought J.C. Horn had a higher ceiling than Sertain, Sertain's floor just from day one. I mean, this this cornerback room is kind of four deep. Duke Dawson, too. I mean, uh, really impressive on defense. I think the only real uh, weakness on the defense is probably inside linebacker with Lee, your boy Josie Jewell, and uh, Alexander Johnson. Um, and supposedly Baron Browning is going to be playing edge rusher for them. Uh, so that's oh, those that was the word on the street, but I don't know um, what to say. What else to say it's about probably that? Probably better I mean, served yeah. in that position. Yeah. And hey, Josie Jewell, say what you want about him. Uh, he's he's been an overachiever since it, since he's come in the NFL. 
Poor man's Blake Martinez, potentially. He's on that Blake Martinez career path. He's, he's somewhere in that range. I don't know if he's poor, uh, but... Yeah. Uh, and then when you get to the offense, I mean, yeah, I think we all agree. I mean, this receiving core is pretty darn impressive. I think you have... I mean, I think Jerry Judy is just an absolute stud of a receiver, and Cortland Sutton is is also a slight stud. Those are two ones, and then Lee and I were big KJ Hamler guys coming out. Him being able to stretch the field, I mean... They have everything that you would want. And then Noah Fant, too, I think is just an unbelievable athlete at tight end and you know has one of the higher ceilings. No reason why he can't be a top seven tight end in this offense. Um, it just comes down to the quarterback. I'm sure we all, you know, this is, we're you know, beating a dead horse here, kind of. Bringing in Teddy Bridgewater, I think, gives this team a higher floor um, to, you know, compete in games and not throw away games that like Drew Locke did and, and should be better for the receiving talent that I just mentioned. But still, uh, like we saw in Carolina last year, you know, he was, he was a resilient quarterback who kind of kept them in games and was a, you know, is a very conservative option, but really doesn't put games away or excel your offense in really any way. You just know that he's going to do better, uh, than, than Drew Locke can, I think. Um, but you know, yeah, I think that's the only thing that's going to be holding this team's projection back in my mind. If, if they were to get, uh, Justin Fields or Deshaun Watson or, you know, God forbid Aaron Rodgers, I think this team is a Super Bowl contending team. Um, bringing in Javante Williams too, who was my favorite running back in the draft. I think he's going to be the starter from day one and, and make a big impact, uh, and, and really kind of fit that Fangio identity, a tough downhill t- team that, there's just not a lot of weaknesses. It's quarterback and inside linebacker for me. Those are the only two, you know, areas of improvement. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how I'm thinking about, you know, this team's projection going forward. And, and they're going. I know they're going to be competitive. Uh, and I think their defense, you know, is, is going to be really awesome. But I just think at, at what point, you know, is Teddy going to limit this offense? And then you go over to Drew Locke, who... I guess to get play devil's advocate has the high end ability with you know uh, the the arm that he has, but I think we all are not sold on him as as a starting NFL quarterback. So well, you know the talent the talents there. Um, it's just kind of I think this team just has a limited upside due to their quarterback. Yeah, and I just wanted to add the reason that we're not sold on Drew Locke is because he's never been consistent in his career. So you're going to have moments where he looks good. I mean. Anyone could admit there have been times where Drew Locke has looked good, but we have yet to see, and even at Missouri this was an issue, um, him play consistently week in and week out and take care of the football week in and week out. Um, So you don't really know what you're going to get out of him. So I think that, you know, uh, Teddy Bridgewater should have, for the most part, have the inside track on the starting job this year um, because consistency is a hard thing to acquire as a skill. Um, as a quarterback, you don't really see that happen often. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that that's going to hold them back. And unless this team makes a move to get, I don't know if Rodgers is, is in the cards. Perhaps Deshaun Watson might be just as unrealistic. But unless they get a quarterback like that, um, they're going to be held back by uh, Bridgewater and Locke. Uh, Tommy, to your point on the the inside linebackers, uh, just a little insider BJP, I suppose. Uh, I was listening to the Lockdown NFL Draft podcast during draft season, and the uh, Broncos beat writer said positive things about Justin Sternad. I don't know how to pronounce his last last name, but yeah, uh, he was a rookie last year, apparently, from Wake Forest. I know nothing about yeah. him, but the guy was like talking him up a lot, and they drafted Baron Browning, who um, flashed a lot of athleticism on tape. Not a lot of, not a lot of steak, a whole lot of sizzle, as Lee uh, famously said, but um, you know maybe that uh, that inside linebacker room could be looking a little better come you know week six or seven after they've played a couple games. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. I'm just, I mean, but I, I mean, at, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, it's unproven. Yeah, just, just wanted to toss I just, that out there. I just want to like say again this this secondary room is insane, man. Michael Ojemudia is what they're a second string corner now who who performed very nicely. Last year as a rookie, Piedmont doesn't need to be mentioned. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just it's easy to really fall in love with with this roster, uh, and then you know having Cortland Sutton, a healthy Cortland Sutton with Jerry Judy, Hamler, and Fant, I think you can put that three receiver tight end combo up with a lot of teams in 
um, you know, in the NFL. I mean, how far away are they from, you know, the, the, the Bucks of the world or the Cowboys of the world? I, I think they, you know, they are good. They are good quarterback play away from being in that upper echelon. Uh, so yeah, a lot to be, a lot to be excited about. I think in Denver, it just, it really makes you think, you know, we talked about it. I'm, I'm sure we brought this up on the post draft pod, but you know, the, them saying that we like Justin Fields, we just liked Patrick Sertain more, and, and not really recognizing the positional value there. Um, you know, I think we all think Patrick Sertain is going to be a 10-year starter, really good player, probably make some pro balls. But just imagining this roster with Justin Fields, even with the growing pains that he might have as a rookie, I would just, the outlook of this team would be, you know, significant. I would I would not be afraid to, to take off some Broncos to win AFC West tickets, uh, you know, at a very long price. Uh, obviously, too, the uh, I guess the the quarterback in the room potentially uh, would be Aaron Rodgers or even Deshaun Watson potentially. Uh, two two quarterback situations that haven't seemed to have been uh, resolved yet as we're uh, heading towards training camp. So definitely one of those Broncos would be one of the clear teams, kind of just at the top of uh, either of those players' uh, conversations going forward. Uh, if they were to leave the Packers or the Texans. Let's jump to the Chargers, though, because this team more so, I think, as we'll we'll talk about the Raiders next, as far as the three teams other than the Chiefs, this team probably uh, has the highest upside. And again, that's mainly just due to the quarterback position with how well Justin Herbert played last year. But uh, undergoing a pretty pretty big change uh, as far as the coaching staff goes, which I think all of us would agree needed to happen after the Anthony Lynn era just wasn't working out uh, like it needed to. But the guys that they brought in to replace uh, Anthony Lynn's staff, uh, at least I'm not sold on. Brandon Staley, the head coach, obviously put together a great season as the defensive coordinator in um, with, with the Rams in, in Los Angeles. Uh, my biggest concern would be Joe Lombardi, who uh, we, I have a lot of uh, good, horrible memories with uh, in Detroit. Uh, he was fired as, as offensive coordinator in Detroit, I think, halfway through his third season. Had to go back to daddy with Sean Payton in, in New Orleans for a couple of years. And now, now he's getting a second chance uh, here with the Chargers as offensive coordinator. Uh, what did you guys think of these, these coaching hires? Utterly disappointed. Um, this is a team that had they hired a guy like Brian Daybol to be the head coach, I'd be, you know, um, certainly I'd be more optimistic about the outlook of this team. Um, nothing against Stanley Staley. I uh, he could do a good job. I just think that there's more unknowns there. Um, whereas you know you hire a guy like Bienemy or Daybol, you're getting more of an offensive mind, someone who can mold Justin Herbert. Uh, a little bit more at this juncture of his career and and kind of grow with him a little bit. Not saying that's impossible with Staley. I just don't think that it's as likely. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not quite ready to jump on the Chargers train um, and say that they're the, like a lot of folks are saying right now, that this is the clear number two team in the division. Um, I, I'm not quite ready to make that leap of faith yet. I think the offensive line is absolutely much improved. A huge turnaround after last year, having some problems on the offensive line, went out and signed Corey Lindsay, Matt Filer. Um, Brian Belaga is getting a little bit old, but he's nothing short of a reliable right tackle. And then going out and drafting Rashawn Slater, I do think that they basically solved all the problems they had on their offensive line. Um, still got really good receivers in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I think the loss of Hunter Henry will be somewhat significant. Uh, you're getting a drop-off with Jared Cook, but I still think that, that this offense is going to be able to move the football pretty efficiently. Um, Austin Eckler being healthy and coming back for a full year, hopefully, is going to be a huge improvement out of the backfield as well. <clears throat> um, on the defensive side of the ball, I do have some concerns with their defensive line outside of Joey Bosa. Uh, I don't really think that there's a single name on this defensive line outside of Joey Bosa that instills any type of fear in me whatsoever as, as an opponent, hypothetically, going up against the Chargers. Jerry Tillery has kind of been disappointing. Linville Joseph isn't necessarily, you know, a huge presence on the inside. Um, 
I think the linebackers are solid. Still a lot to prove from Kenneth Murray. He kind of had an up-and-down rookie year. Uh, Drew Tranquil is a great kind of captain leader on the field, leader in the locker room, but that's a guy who has an injury history in his own right. I like Unchenna Nuosu a lot, but he's got big shoes to fill with Melvin Ingram departing. Not that Ingram was necessarily a world beater the last few years, but he's been a pretty consistent pass rusher still, uh, still throughout his career. Still, still a free agent. agent yep, still a free agent. Um, and then in the secondary, I think that this is a solid secondary. I like that they went out and grabbed Tommy's guy, Asante Samuel Jr., in the draft. Michael Davis is one of the more underrated corners in the league. Chris Harris still has a lot of game left as a veteran presence. Um, Derwin James, poor guy. I mean, if he can stay healthy, he's one of the best safeties in the league. I just think that that is a rather big if at this point. Um, I don't know what the stat is. He's probably played only like eight games over the past two or three years. The poor guy can't stay on the field. Um, So it almost just seems to me that a lot of things kind of have to go right in order for the Chargers to get to that 10-11 win uh, season that a lot of the fans are hoping for and somewhat expecting now that they have their quarterback of the future. And one thing Adam and I were kind of talking about pre-pod is you know, I know I've kind of been a Herbert disbeliever coming into the year. He looked every bit of the rookie of the year last year. I'm not going to deny that for a second. But I don't think it's unrealistic to expect a little bit of regression uh, coming off the Wonder Boy year he had last year. Um, and even if, you know, there isn't regression, I still think that this is a team that won, what, seven or eight games last year? Is it seven? I don't know. I, I think that there's still, you know, a lot of work to be done for them to get into that 10 to 11 win range. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe one of you guys can convince me, but I'm not necessarily sold on the Chargers being significantly better than the Broncos or the Raiders. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to kind of buy the Chargers, uh, be bullish on them as the number two team in this division. Uh, and for me, it starts with Staley, who I think. Obviously, uh, you know, Dable and Joe Brady were my two top uh, head coaching candidates, and, and neither of them were hired by the NFL for whatever reason. The same goes for, for Eric Bieniemy. But, I mean, as a guy who was really, was really preying on the Rams' downfall last year, in large part, you know, obviously Goff, but in large part to their defense, which I thought was not deep and, you know, star-studded with Ramsey and Donald, but really kind of lacking um, – in other areas, I think, you know, Brandon Saley was the architect of the best defense in the NFL last year, and obviously he had two absolute blue-chip uh, talents in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but a lot of what he was doing defensively from a schematic standpoint, obviously things that I'm not necessarily fluent in, but uh, seemed to be kind of the, the driving force behind that. Um, and, and that actually that gets me excited, especially when we go through this defense like Lee just did. Um, I, you know, I, I tend to agree with Lee. The defensive line is really outside of Joey Bosa. I think Linval Joseph is, is a, is a good interior player still. Obviously he's a little bit up there in age, but I think he's, you know, above replacement or replacement level player, which I think is fine. But other than that, we are lacking some depth. Uh, but you know, outside of that, I get really excited about this defense and a lot of it does have to do with Derwin James, who yes, he has had injury issues for the past two years, but just thinking of what Staley is going to be able to do with a true chess piece like him. I mean, the guys like Isaiah Simmons, Kyle Hamilton next year, these are all, a lot of this is, is possible because of a guy like Derwin James and in, in how he projects and how projectable he is for, you know, the modern NFL. Uh, you know, Chris Harris has lost a step, but I think is fine as, as a nickel. And Lee, you brought up Michael Davis, who I agree is one of the more underrated corners um, in the NFL. So, I look at this team and, and I'm pretty excited about what they're going to be able to do defensively. And then on the offensive end of the spectrum, granted, I don't have the same personal uh, experience or you know that that Klepp and, and Lee I guess have had with Joe Lombardi with the Lions, but I'd like to think that that the nepotism that he went through with uh, in New Orleans with his daddy and in uh, Sean Payton I think had a had a positive effect. I'd like to I'd like to think. I mean, it's a it's a good system to be in, um, and seeing the way they use Alvin Kamara gets me really excited about what Austin Eckler is going to be able to do this year. Keep, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, Tommy. Well, here, here's what happened with Joe Lombardi that, that concerns me is that he took one of the bigger-armed QBs in the NFL with Matthew Stafford and tried to turn him into a short you know, area accuracy, small little uh, – Stafford's yards per attempt when uh, he was with Joe Lombardi were – 
extremely lower. And I think you saw, um, you know, when you saw Bevel come in, obviously after Jim Bob Cooter, but you saw Bevel come in and, and really uh, push the ball down the field. You saw Stafford have, you know, some of his better seasons the last two years. Um, that's kind of my concern is that he does the same thing with Herbert, where it's like you try and turn this, you know, Ferrari in, in Herbert, who's the prototypical size. He has an above average arm. And, you and he's been with Breeze the past couple of years in New Orleans, so it's not yeah, like they've been necessarily ripping it down the field either. There, yeah, and and you and you try and turn him into Drew Breeze, who's making little you know tight window throws in between you know in kind of like that five to fifteen yard uh, area. But I, I would say uh, just to finish up our conversation here with the Chargers, Lee, you're saying you know I don't know you know what would separate what separates this team necessarily from you know, the Broncos or, or the Raiders. And I just think the simple, simple answer is Justin Herbert, right? Like, I don't think there's a chance that either Locke or Bridgewater play like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And um, Derek Carr has been outside of, of that um, kind of range of quarterbacks for since he broke his ankle or broke his leg. And Justin Herbert Potentially, you could. I think you can make an argument. He played like a top ten quarterback last year, and if with the offensive line, uh, it, you know, getting better, and him just getting more comfortable as he you know progresses in his career, he can easily cement himself as a top ten quarterback year in and year out, and that would just make the ceiling for this team go pretty high. Especially if uh, Staley is able to kind of replicate what he had uh, in the defense with the the Rams. Uh, just with the Chargers, so that yeah. that would kind of be where where my why I would I would assume that the Chargers. I think I do see them as uh, kind of the second best team in this division. Yeah, and and that's kind of why I wanted to bring up you know the coaching changes is we we also need to kind of like quantify, um, you know Anthony Lynn leaving and and just kind of the dysfunction that surrounded this franchise, especially in game for the past for his entire tenure there. Plus the additions on the offensive line, which I think are incredibly notable. I mean, I've, I think we all agreed throughout the offseason that the Chargers are one of the biggest offseason winners just because of what they did to um, the offensive line. And, you know, losing Hunter Henry is tough, but getting a guy like Jared Cook, who isn't going to do too much in the run game, but is still, I think, a pretty pretty nice receiving tight end, especially as a third, fourth option in this offense and has some familiarity with Lombardi from from New Orleans, uh, and you know Keenan Allen is is an elite you know route runner, number one receiver, and Mike Williams is pretty dominant at the point of attack. Uh, and in club to your point about Lombardi potentially hampering this offense with kind of like a more West Coast scheme, uh, it's I mean they just don't they're you know I guess Keenan Allen can do a lot of dirty work down low, and, and my man KJ Hill does, but it's almost like their personnel really isn't isn't designed for that too much or at least the guys they got Jalen Guyton is a is a deep yeah, Tommy are Ta- our boys uh KJ Hill and, and Joe Reed gonna make the squad I think KJ Hill is I don't know well you know what? Joe <laughs> Reed probably will for special teams man because he's like their kick returner and uh does the return stuff I think I think they're both making it they'll well, carry uh I feel like they both play the same position I feel like it's a it's a camp competition between our yeah, that, our boys. One thing yeah. I don't want to underestimate either is I know that it's kind of the uh, the more notable departure was Anthony Lynn, but I was a big fan of the offensive coordinator Shane Steichen and the way he called plays last year. Um, and I do think that Joe Lombardi is undoubtedly a downgrade as a play caller from Shane Steichen. I liked what Shane Steichen was doing. I think he's one of the more bright young minds in the NFL, and I think that that could be a hit for this offense as well. So... I mean, just to refute a little bit, I think I think it's well within the realm of possibility that Justin Herbert is the second best quarterback in this division, without a doubt in anyone's mind, and they still don't end up making the playoffs. Shane Shane Sykin, who uh, is in Philly, yep, under under Nick Sirianni, yeah, something to look out for. Uh, shall we jump to the Raiders, fellas? Let's, Lee. Lee, I'd like you to kick off the Raiders because you seem, at least, I think you're kind of the most bullish on them. Uh, yeah, is this um, is is this a cliff year for for Gruden? I guess the short answer, in my opinion, to that would be I don't know if cliff years exist with John Gruden because if there the was contract. if there was any, it would have been yeah. last year. I mean, I was all over the Raiders last year. I predicted them to make the playoffs, and I was really confident that they were going to make the playoffs. Most notably, after they went into Cleveland and beat the Browns in a hard fought 
crappy weather game. I want to say they won the game 16-6 to or something of that nature. Um, and I, I was really proud of what the Raiders did that day. I'm not a huge Derek Carr fan, but I like the culture there. I think John Gruden is a good football coach. I still think he's a good football coach. I think him and Mayock obviously have their flaws, but I do think that they're both good football minds and that they're on the right track for the most part. part. Um, some of their draft choices have concerned me, and what they did with the offensive line definitely concerned me a little bit. But I think this is a team that was humbled from last year, and I think they're ready to get back to work. I just think that, you know, this is an, another team that I'm not necessarily super confident they're going to make the playoffs because I do think, similar to the Chargers and to the Broncos, a lot of things have to kind of go right for this team to succeed this year. Um, and I would start with the fact that Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards were utterly disappointing last year, no matter what way you want to, you know, phrase that. Brian Edwards more so. I mean, Brian Edwards was non-existent. Well, I would even say yeah. that Ruggs is just as disappointing. I mean, he was the first receiver yeah, first taken round, in the draft, first, and he was, yeah. for the most part, I mean, not impressive. He did, he did, he did some I'd, stuff, though. Ryan Edwards wasn't even yeah. like, on the field. Ruggs, so. Ruggs flashed, but he didn't do much I, I think more it's than worth, flash. I think it's worth saying that the, the Raiders really didn't have a plan. Ruggs, I feel like, was primarily used as a decoy last year. Yeah, I don't know, but when you're really good, they find ways to use you. It's not like it's all the Raiders' fault and Ruggs didn't do anything wrong. I mean, like, I, I just have a hard time believing that that's the reason why he didn't perform. I think if you're an elite player that you get drafted 10th overall or 11th overall or whatever it is, you succeed in the NFL. That's just how it works. Well, what does Henry um, Ruggs do really, really well? You know, stretch the field. It seems that, you know, I don't know if that's a Derek, Derek Carr, it seems, was pushing the ball downfield a little bit more last year, but... I still don't. All think the stuff Aguilar did, Ruggs should have been doing. There's no reason Ruggs shouldn't that's have that's been that guy. Point. So what I'm saying is that it's t- Aguilar's gone. It's time for Henry Ruggs to step up. It's time for Brian Edwards to step up. Um, I think those guys can be formidable complementary pieces to the best offensive player on the team, in my opinion, which is Darren Waller, who's a great player. He's going to come back and be a great player next year, I think. Um, you got a great running back in Josh Jacobs. Obviously, I wouldn't have spent the money on Kenyon Drake, but I still think that. I'm confident they can use him as a somewhat decent complementary piece. I don't think he's going to be a game changer, but I like that they're getting a little bit of versatility out of the backfield and that I I assume they're going to have a plan for him. Uh, Like I said, I was concerned with what they were doing with the offensive line, but now that I'm looking at it, I mean, Colton Miller's been a solid left tackle since he came to the NFL. We all know what Richie Richie Incognito is. Uh, They signed Nick Martin from Houston, who's still fairly young and is a solid center. Um, not super convinced that Denzel Good is going to be a great right guard, but they still got John Simpson, who they drafted last year out of Clemson. And then the right tackle is Alex Leatherwood, who you can make an argument that they overdrafted the guy, but that's a guy who I saw as a first-round talent at right tackle. And if he comes in and has a solid rookie year, this offensive line is going to be completely fine. Um, I think that Derek Carr is an above-average quarterback. I, he's been an above-average quarterback for the most part for his whole career. I think he'll continue to be an above-average quarterback. He protects the football. He makes smart decisions. He lets the players around him make plays. So, in my opinion, that a lot of the weight on this year's season is going to come down to the shoulders of, of Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. And if they're willing to fit that, um, this is an offense that could we, we could start to see hum a little bit as the season goes on. Um, the defense, there are definitely some huge concerns for me. Uh, Cleveland Farrell hasn't been up to snuff. I like what Max Crosby has done, but <clears throat> not a huge Yannick Ngakwe fan. And I just don't really see what differentiates this defensive line for the most part. I think that they're a middling unit um, that can maybe play up a little bit, but also uh, can, can, can be exposed on a week-to-week basis. Klepp and I talked about it pre-podcast. The Nick Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton signings have absolutely fallen on their face. And I think I, the, the biggest sieve on this defense would be the linebacking core, unless these guys can completely rebound um, and start to prove that they're worth the money that they're getting paid. And then in the secondary, there's been consi- there's consistently been questions from the Raiders' secondary. Uh, Jonathan Abram has kind of had an up-and-down career where he's, he's a banger who can make some big plays, but he's been somewhat of a liability in coverage his whole career. I like that they got Trayvon Morgan in the second round. I think that was a good pick. But, you know, granted, he's a rookie who's probably going to be starting for them. Uh, they brought Carl Joseph back, who's a certified Lee Murray BJP boy. Um, back for, to the Raiders, baby. Yeah, for We're better or for worse, he's, he's back in the rotation. Um, and I'll go out and say it. I mean, maybe I'm putting a little too much faith in it. I expect these young guys in this secondary to, secondary to take a step forward. I mean, Damon Arnett did not play well last year. 
Trayvon Mullen did not necessarily play well last year. Amik Robertson did not necessarily play well last year. But these are guys that are all under 24 years old, 25 years old, and are still kind of figuring out the NFL game. Um, I expect them to improve. These are guys that I liked coming into the NFL. I don't think that their careers are all for naught. Uh, I think that they're going to be able to rebound a little bit. And I think that st- you know this is going to be a team that's going to be somewhat competitive. They're going to keep themselves in games. And I think they're going to continue to be the Raiders, uh, the John Gruden Raiders that we've seen the past few years where they're probably going to win a couple games that they shouldn't win. And they're probably going to lose a couple games that they should win. Um, and I don't really see how, I guess my, my, my underlining point of this whole you know, uh, tirade I've gone on here about the Raiders is I just don't really see how this team has necessarily regressed very much. I think that they're going to come back and be fairly competitive and I don't see what, you know, kind of supplants them in that fourth spot in this division. Like a lot of people are kind of claiming them to be and punting on the whole Gruden Mayock experiment. I still think this is going to be a competitive football team that's well coached and hopefully they can learn from their mistakes last year. If you're a Raiders fan and you can come out and be a little bit more competitive this year. I, I kind of like I understand where you're coming from with that, Lee. Like the on its face, they haven't really gotten worse. But I think the concern more is just that what this is the, the what the third year of the Gruden experience and it doesn't really think, feel like yeah. it doesn't really feel like they're heading in any direction, right? It's just kind of been like they're just kind of running it back each and yeah. every year. Um especially too, I mean, on defense, I mean, it was one of the worst defenses in the league last year. But you know, bar not, probably one of the bottom five uh, units uh, overall. They fired their defensive coordinator halfway through the season, um, bringing in Gus Bradley. I think you know, hopefully, it, it won't be as bad. But uh, there's a chance that it's it's a pretty horrible defense uh, once again. The other thing I wanted to say too, just as a little bit of an aside, did some uh, light sleeper sleeper research because I was kind of thinking Josh Jacobs. When he was coming out of Alabama, one of the big uh, reasons why so many uh, draft people liked him so much was because of his ability to receive out of the backfield. And I kind of thought that the Raiders haven't really been doing that much. And uh, through two seasons, he only has 53 receptions. Uh, so how about uh, using Josh Jacobs in the passing game a little bit? The signing of Kenyon Drake probably isn't going to help that much. I know, but it's no. just, it seems kind of weird. He's still been yeah. really, really um, good, though, Jacobs. Like, he has. He's still As been, a runner, yeah. he's been unbelievable. Yeah. Two straight 1,000-yard uh, seasons. He's been very consistent. Yeah, I, Lee, I think you paint a really good picture about how this team can concede, but I think I think you're doing a lot of uh, a lot of wishful thinking, especially on the offensive line, man. I think this team, I think this one, I think about the Raiders last year, they were a lively offense with a good offensive line. Um, you know, we, you mentioned Aguilar before. They, they you know, Derek Carr played well last year. I think Derek Carr is, is pretty well cemented as a top 15 quarterback in the NFL right now. But, you know, again, I, Lee, like you, I liked Arnett coming out. I really liked Amik Robertson coming out. Uh, Morig, you know, I thought was, you know, a top two safety in this draft this past year. I think Jonathan Abram is, is pretty useless, man. I'd actually try to move him to linebacker. I just think he's just not, he's kind of a throwback. I think you should probably, I think, try to kill that kill that experiment I mean really where he's most valuable is in the box uh, and you brought up Corey Littleton and Kwiatkowski I have a little bit more hope for Littleton you know re- returning to form just because he's a little bit younger uh, but still I think you guys bring up good points about you know the failures of this defense last year you know a lot of a lot of uh, you know Yannick Ngakwe is going to have to kind of carry a lot uh, you know coming in and, and have high expectations for him Max Crosby I guess you know they they said that the best combo in the NFL. Obviously, that's not true, but I, I do see some potential, uh, you know, impact there. But all in all, I just think that this is a team that I think the defense at the I think maybe they're just as bad as they were last year, maybe a little bit better. But I think that I think that this offensive line is really going to struggle. Um, I think Miller and, and Incognito are, are good pieces, but Incognito has had injury issues, and I like Alex Leatherwood a lot too, but. To kind of assume that he's going to come in and be an average NFL tackle, I think is is kind of the best case scenario. I think in year one for him, I, I could be wrong on that. Um, and you know, then it comes down to Rugs and Edwards, who I, I you know I liked Rugs coming out. Edwards, I had a, uh, some more questions about, but you know, I think they they can be uh, successful. I think you know Edwards is a big body who can make some contested catches and, and could be a friend to, to Derek Carr in the the short to intermediate area um 
Yeah, I I mean I see I see kind of the upside for this team, but it's just nowhere near the same as uh the Chargers and the Broncos for me. I do think that Gruden gives them uh, I do agree with you Lee that that Gruden kind of gives them a, a relative floor where they're going to hang around in games, but I just I think this roster is worse than it was last year or right now, so it's hard for me to have that much faith in them. Shall we move on to the the big dogs in the in the AFC West? Let's do it. The Chiefs uh, were they fourteen and two last year or fifteen? They fourteen and two because they lost the last game of the season when no one played. Yeah, I think, I think um, yeah. Split with the Raiders, of course, lost that game to the Raiders at home. Uh, was their first loss of the season. A lot of uh, a lot of changes uh, on this team, especially along the offensive line. Um, obviously, lost in the Super Bowl to the Buccaneers. Got pretty much blown out and, and just beaten. They were not the better team uh, on that night. Didn't didn't uh, even score a touchdown uh, in the Super Bowl with that high-powered offense. Made a big move by trading their first-round pick uh, to the Ravens for Orlando Brown. He's going to get to play left tackle like he is desired. Um, signed Joe Tooney from the Patriots. Brought Kyle Long uh, out of retirement. Uh, he is potentially injured again. I'm not quite sure, but also drafted uh, Creed Humphrey with their second round pick. So essentially, spent their first and second round picks on on offensive linemen. Which, after watching the Super Bowl, was pretty clear what they needed to do. Still a huge question mark at right tackle. Uh, Mike Remmers is a horrible right tackle option, and Lucas Niang was a rookie opt out. And then, of course, Prince Tega, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Prince Tega. Also throwing his hat in the ring there at right tackle. But uh, a lot of changes along the O-line, but things generally stay the same with the enemy not leaving, staying as offensive coordinator. Obviously, you still have Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. Um, what do you guys, are you guys maybe thinking a little KC regression? Uh, I kind of still see them as the top dogs in this division. Uh, the way there wasn't really a Super Bowl hangover last year, they they pretty much cruised uh, to a 14 win season and and just were kind of playing with teams at the end of games. Uh, they never really put anyone away, but they just uh, were able to to win in the end. What do you guys uh, think about the offensive line changes and then as well, Lee? I know you have some questions about the defense too. Yeah. Um... I think this is a team that will probably be favored in 16 of the 17 games this year. Um, maybe 15, I guess. Um, don't really see too much regression happening here. I think they nipped most of their offensive line issues in the bud. Uh, the right tackle position is obviously a little bit of a concern, but I do think that the rest of their offensive line is pretty darn good. Uh, we know what their skill positions can do. We obviously know who Patrick Mahomes is. I expect I expect Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to pick up where he left off last year, being an efficient running back. Even if he's not that great in the red zone, doesn't they don't really need to run the ball in the red zone. So I still think that their offense is going to not have very many issues putting up points. Andy Reid is also really good at adjusting year by year to figure out kind of what his offense can do differently to score in the red zone. Um, I know everyone all of a sudden hates Frank Clark and he's not good. Um, but I think I, I think that that's like a loss for their well, team for sure if he's not playing. <clears throat> I do believe that their their ability to push the pocket is going to be less significant if Frank Clark isn't on the field. Um, that may be an unpopular opinion, but I do think it would be in the Chiefs' best interest for him to not go to prison. Um, <laughs> Taco Charlton, yeah, there's some concerns on the defensive line, but I mean you're pretty much running it back. Um, you know, and there's no concern. There's no new concerns I have about this defense. Um, I still think that they're going to be able to compete at a pretty high level. I think this is maybe somewhere from the 14th to 22nd best defense in the NFL. Anyway, I do. I, I will say, Lee, I really like the Jaron Reed uh, move. He's yeah, a, I do I mean, too. Him and, That's a good point. Him I and uh, Chris Jones might be the. I mean, if you're talking about interior lineman tandems in the NFL, yeah. No, that's that might true. Be the best one. And I want to give yeah. Taco Charlton a little bit of credit. He looked like a bona fide bust at the beginning of his career. He's come out, come back, and had a little bit of a resurgence. 
I didn't realize how amazing blue that these these pass rushers were. Frank Clark's playing. You got Frank Clark, Mike Dana, Taco Charlton. You got you got some some Wolverines on that defensive line. Um, and I think the secondary is solid. Uh, I like the move they made to get Mike Hughes, change of scenery for him. Um, good athlete. They didn't really have to give up too much to get him. Um, obviously, Legereus Sneed played way above the expectation last year. Tommy, your boy, Juan Thornhill running it back at safety. I think he's got a pretty bright future. Um, and I think Tyron Matthews is one of the better defensive players in the NFL. I still think that what he brings to the field on, on any given Sunday is is pretty invaluable. So I expect the Chiefs to for the most part, um, run it back. Maybe you'll see a little bit of regular season regression because uh, of what they did last year, and maybe they ran out of gas a little bit. You see that a lot, in, in not not just in football, but in a lot of major sports, when a team kind of dominates the regular season and then goes to the championship and loses or has an early playoff exit. They usually don't do as well in the regular season next year because they're maybe saving a little bit of gas, um, especially that team with the fact that it's a 17-game season. They may they may have a little bit of a different approach. Um, and with the way this division is shaping up, I mean, you guys can disagree with me maybe. I don't think there's a team that's really going to be competing with the Chiefs win-loss-wise. Like, I think that the Chiefs are going to outwin whoever comes second in this division. And God, if I know, I don't even know how I'm going to shake this out in five minutes when we when we give our rankings. But I think I would even put it in the prophecy. Whoever comes second in this division is going to probably have at least four less wins than the Kansas City Chiefs, which is basically a quarter season less wins. Um, so I think the Chiefs are going to comfortably win this division, and I would be fairly shocked if they don't at least win 12, 13 games this year. Yeah, um, not a lot to add, just some some notes Got to shout out Trey Smith from the Sleeper episode. They got him in the sixth round as well. Uh, you know, top 50 talent, but it's had, had some heart palpitation issues. Uh, that just kind of goes clots. to the offensive line. Yeah, blood clots, something like that. Um, not a lot to add. Uh, I will say I expect I expect Clyde Edwards-Alaire to have a, a really big year this year. I, I mean, at least I think it's not that he didn't have a bad Ooh. year last year. But yeah, Clef, we all know what you think, buddy. Um, we I all expect, know what you think too, Tommy. You're, you're a Clyde homer. I mean, it just makes sense for his workload to be a lot higher. It would, it would be, it would kind of behoove the Chiefs organization to kind why of. Did, why is his workload going to be higher? I don't understand. Because you spent a first round pick on him, and to not use him in the passing game when that was his best attribute coming out of LSU, I think is just pretty dumb. And that seems to be the narrative from <laughs> beat writers in Kansas City already is that they're expecting him to be more involved in the pass game this year, which I think makes the sense. Smoke screen for my guy Darwin Thompson to come in and uh, tear the NFL apart. Especially, too, because uh, I, I think there is a, a question of, of who their number two receiver is going to be, even if if that's important or not, I think is a, is a different conversation. But I'm not really sold on Mecole Harbin being a complete uh, wide receiver in the NFL. So to see him kind of be that number two, I think, is, is kind of dubious. So Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see. Even Cornell Powell, who, um, you know... I mean, their, their number two receiver is, is 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 Tyree Kill, and their number one receiver is Kelsey. So yeah, that was my yeah. that was my point, yeah. and I don't know how much it matters, but yeah. if they were to have someone, you know, Sammy Watkins was a nice player for them, uh, and you know, was kind of a reliable too when he was healthy. So I think just having that kind of security blanket, um, you know, is is an important thing to see how that kind of develops. Offensive line, we kind of all cleared up. I think you know they made this this uh, unit went from kind of a weakness last year into a strength. Um, and then on the defensive end, uh, I kind of want to echo what Lee was saying. I mean, if, if Frank, I do think Frank Clark is kind of generally overrated, but he is kind of their only impactful edge rusher. So if, if he's not going to be available this season with his, with his current legal issues, I think that's, you know, that's an issue. You're going to expect a lot more out of Chris Jones, which he definitely can do. But if Chris Jones were to miss, uh, some time, then you would have a major hole, I think on that front four and just, the ability to not only you know stop the run but rush the passer as well. Maybe it's M- Melvin Ingram time. Melvin Ingram time in KC, perhaps. That's a, that's not a bad idea. I think that's yeah. that would actually be a good sign. I don't know what their cap situation <coughs> is. Uh, Willie Gay heading into year two. Excited about that. And, and Nick Bolton, who's a guy who I was lower on than consensus maybe, but I think to get him at the end of the second round as kind of a high floor uh, linebacker, see ball, get ball guy, I think he'll – thrive kind of in that system in Kansas City. They can use some guys like that. Uh, and then, you know, the secondary, Lee mentioned Legereus Sneed. 
Uh, DeAndre Baker as well. They're just accumulating that 2019 uh, cornerback bust class, I guess you could say. And uh, or Mike Hughes, I guess. And, and then Legereus Sneed was the best rookie corner in the NFL last year. So I would expect him to continue to be a really good player. Um, and I guess he's going to be moving outside. I think he was in the nickel last year. So all in all, there are some questions on this roster. But at the end of the day, you have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, uh, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill. So um, I think you know this should be. I kind of agree with Lee that I, you know, I would see some, some you know, regular season regression perhaps. Which is why I think it's I think it's kind of bold of you, Lee, to say that no team's going to finish within four wins of with them. Maybe that just kind of comes down to the the ceiling I see with the Chargers. But if the Chargers can hit their ceiling, I think they're an 11, 12 win team. Uh, and then if you know we see Kansas City regress, I I think I don't think it's out of the question to see uh, a little bit of a battle towards the uh, the latter weeks of the season between. Yeah, you know, I just think that comes down to you team. being higher on uh, the Chargers than I am. Yeah. Shall we get into our rankings here, boys? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll kick it off. I'm just going to go – I'll go with the Chiefs uh, first, uh, the Chargers second. I'm flirting with the potential of putting the Chargers as a uh, wild card team. Uh, I'm going to throw the Raiders in at third, and then I'm, I'm going to say the Broncos are unable to overcome their issues uh, at the quarterback spot and uh, falter once again to the uh, bottom of the barrel. Um. Yeah, I just want to emphasize that um, I do think that after the Chiefs, these three teams are all very comparable, in my opinion, and nothing would surprise me. No finish would surprise me. Not even the Chargers coming in fourth place in the division would really surprise me that much. I think if we're talking Madden ratings, these teams are all within like the 78 to 81 overall range, um, to put it in perspective a little bit for the gamers out there. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb. I'm going to say the Chiefs come in first. I'll, I'll say the Raiders come in second, Chargers third, Broncos fourth. I'm pretty confident the Broncos can be a pesky team, but ultimately what makes me put them in fourth is just the fact that I don't have too much faith that Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke are really going to be uh, consistent enough and good enough to win those in-division games um, for a team like the Broncos. So that's how I'm going to see it. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I think, what, Lee, what you just said, and, you know, Klepp agrees, obviously, the, the kind of muck of those three, I think, you know, we're all kind of agnostic on them. I guess I'll take a, a, the, the strongest stance. I'll put the, I mean, the Chiefs at one, obviously. I think the Chargers are comfortable two for me. Uh, and I'm going to put the Broncos at three. I think that roster with Teddy Bridgewater, I think you could see kind of a, you know, kind of what they he was able to do in Carolina last year, but just with a, a lot better defense and, you know, a little bit more conservative-minded defensive coach in Fangio. And I'm going to put the Raiders at four, which, you know, it's hard to pick a fourth team in this division for me, but I just kind of, I think I have to punish them for what I think, you know, their, their personnel faults are this year. And, you know, I think this was, actually would kind of be best for the Gruden regime if they can get a restart at the quarterback position and, and draft a rookie. I think that's kind of, it seems to me that Gruden and Derek Carr, I mean, he says he likes him a lot. I, I don't know. It seems to me like Gruden wants to get his hand on a, on a young, moldable quarterback with a little bit higher physical talent than Derek Carr. So I'm going to put the Raiders at fourth. I'm going to say every team in this division wins seven or more games. Yeah. Hmm. That'd be interesting. I mean, they'd have to... Uh... They'd have to split with themselves, kind of. Yeah, I think they're. Gonna, I think that these teams are kind of going to beat yeah. each other up a little bit outside yeah. of Kansas City. I think Kansas City will probably go like four and two or five and one in the division. I think everyone else is going to go somewhere from three and three to four and two, or yeah, three and three to two and four or four and two. I think they're all going to be in that range. Uh, all right. Well, that wraps it up, Lee. I saw that uh, no sudden move is on HBO. Yeah, my name's in the credits. Look for me. Uh, (laughs) Worth a watch? Yeah, I would say it's definitely worth a watch. I would say it's even better than I expected it to be. So, and there's a, it's, it's good because, you know, not a lot of movies get made now where there's like a story and there's like kind of a lesson and they, they, they give a certain amount of autonomy to the viewer. They don't spoon feed everything to you. Um, So I, I would say that it's a solid movie. It's definitely worth watching. It's not that long. Um, star-studded cast 
you know, it's not the best movie in the world, but I, I definitely thoroughly enjoyed it, and there's a little bit of a personal connection there with it being all shot in Detroit. So, pretty yeah. cool, pretty cool watch. All right. Yeah, baby. There you go. Uh, AFC West. Next will be the uh, NFC West. Another two really fun oh, divisions kind of to, to kick off the uh, the year. NFC West will probably be a little bit uh, harder to decipher from the top down, perhaps. But uh, a good... Hey, man, 50 minutes like it's nothing, huh? That was hopefully, a quick 50. Hopefully we're, it was we're like professionals that the viewers, here. too. Or the Alrighty, you stay safe.